Welcome to this week's episode of the Compass Equip podcast. I am one of your hosts, Hayden Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here at Compass Bible Church. And at Compass Bible Church, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And everything we do here at Compass, including this podcast that is used to equip you, Compass Bible Church, to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. We always want to remind you that this podcast is used as an extra resource outside of the sermon to give you more content, to drive home some points that we've made uh, in the sermon to help you apply the Word of God to your life. And we are in the middle of a series called Kingdom Happiness, and this sermon was entitled, Happy Are the Peacemakers. Genuinely, that is true, isn't it? That those who make peace, although uh, at the time and during the conflict, uh, there's a lot of, uh, there may be a lot of awkward feelings, there may be, it may be difficult to do the labor and work of making the peace, that when peace is made, uh, there is a, a freedom, right, and a just a zeal and, and, a, and a joy that peace has been made, and I have people who I thought were my enemies, who may have been my enemies, who are now my friends, and they have brought that enmity into alignment with the gospel, and it has made peace peace. Genuinely, happy are the peacemakers. The text in Matthew 5 and verse 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I don't want us to miss uh, the second half of this text that says that the peacemakers will be called sons of of God, because that is truly, as I said in, in the sermon, you know, peacemaking is a genuine characteristic of our Father, and those who are displaying that truly reveal themselves as the children of God. It's a genuine marker of a child of God, just like there are things that make a Rolex a Rolex, and there are just things that make uh, that show that a Christian is a genuine Christian, uh, and peacemaking is one of them. We live in a world where not much peace is made, uh, and I think uh, platforms for peace are many, and a few of them are uh, mounted, uh, and, and, and even few of them are... Uh, are brought to brought to a peaceful resolution. And so I think, believe wholeheartedly that the landscape for peacemaking is large and, and, and ready for faithful believers to take, to mount that platform and say, what we're going to do is we're going to be children of God and we are going to make peace. The sermon's focus, its preaching point, the main focus here, the theme, is that a genuine marker of a child of God is diligently laboring, even at great personal cost, to be peacemakers in every sphere of life. And, and here is the, the, the two-part responsibility of, of the Christian faith. The first part is recognizing that, that God in Christ has made peace with us, and the only thing that we do to uh, take hold of that peace is by responding to the offer of grace, by turning from our sin and placing our trust in Christ, repentance and faith. That's all we do uh, in uh, receiving the peace of God in Christ is trusting in the work of Christ on our behalf, whose life, death, and resurrection gave us the opportunity to be made right in the sight of God, that the wrath of God had been placed on Christ for all of those who would trust in the fact that Christ's death was sufficient and the wrath of God was placed on Jesus and it was it was enough, it was sufficient for us to be made righteous and be clothed in the righteousness of Christ before the Father. That's, 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 Christian, that's Christianity 101, that's the gospel. 
the, the second part, part is not salvific in nature. Uh, it is uh, part of our sanctification. Uh, it, it is what we are entrusted with as ambassadors of Christ. And that is, as Christians, we are now laborers. We are now workers. Uh, and, and one of those aspects of being a worker and a laborer and a servant of God uh, that Matthew 5, 9 explicitly states is that we are going to be laborers of peace, that we're going to be making peace. We're going to be making peace with others in our relationship with them. We're going to be leading people to receive the salvific uh, aspect of the Christian faith, which is responding to the gospel. Uh, but our lives every day are going to be fulfilled uh, in the context of Matthew 5, 9 as people who are making peace. Christians are ought not to be, they should not be. Even biblically, we see that uh, when when there is uh, disunity, and even in Philippians chapter 4, uh, when you see uh, uh, Euodia and, and, and Syntyche, I believe, in, in Philippians chapter 4, you see them, and Paul's saying, hey, you know, help these ladies agree in the Lord. Help them come to unity. I mean, you see conflict in Scripture, but you always see it in the context of pressing for peace, pressing for resolution. Uh, and that's going to be uh, a sacrifice. It's going to be a personal cost associated with us living as peacemakers. So that is the work and the labor that we get to participate in as uh, ambassadors who have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. So I want to tell you that, there, that that's, the, that's the life of the Christian, that we have the gospel offered to us freely, through responding to the gospel of Christ, through repentance and faith. And then we also have this responsibility as Christians to then take the gospel of peace and both as ambassadors implore people to be made right with God through Christ and also to tell people to take hold of the gospel of peace and then apply it to our relationships with one another. There, that It's been said other ways. There is a vertical representation and a horizontal representation. That horizontal reality is needing to be made right with God in Christ. That horizontal reality is the fact that in Christ we can also be reconciled to one another. And that's really what Ephesians teaches us so much about, that that dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. And in context, Paul's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, that in Christ, there is now one man in place of two, that there were Jews and there were Gentiles, and now that dividing wall of hostility has been broken by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and now this one, this two, these two men now become one, and now we're just Christians. There are no Jews and no Gentiles, no slaves or Scythian, no, uh, no barbarians and Scythian or slaves and free men. We're all one in Christ. That wall of hostility has been broken. And so that is the, the really great representation of that horizontal and vertical reality of the gospel's implication in our lives. And so as we look at the teaching points and dive into them a little bit in way of application, uh, we need to keep that in mind, the vertical and horizontal realities of peacemaking. Point number one is that we recount what it costs Jesus to make peace with you, that we need to recognize, each of us individually, the cost of Jesus he went through that was associated with him making peace with us. And we talked uh, categorically about him bearing our humanity, being clothed in humanity, 
him bearing our sins and our death, the very things that you and I dread and hate the most in life, is all the things that sin produces and is, and even the, the worst thing that sin has produced in our world, and that is that everything ends in death and destruction, that Christ has came to deal with that as well. And then finally, that he bore the wrath of God. All of these are important for us, that, it, that even the last one, the wrath of God, that, that he's the propitiation for our sin, that the wrath of God was poured on Christ, and it turns away the wrath of God and brings us into favor with God. If we're going to be peacemakers, it's, it's uh, paramount that we recognize what Christ went through to make peace with us. That's going to do a lot of things, hopefully, well, primarily, what that's going to do is that's going to help you and in, in anyone, who, even before you're a Christian, that's going to show you what the gospel is and why we need to respond to it by repentance and faith. Secondly, as we're Christians, we look at this as the foundational uh, principles of how we make peace with others. We bear with people. We bear with their failings and with their sins. Uh, and oftentimes we take those sins upon our own shoulders to to bring peace, right? We don't just wait for them to drudgingly get over here and bear the the burden and the oak the the yoke of their own sin, but that we help lift it and bring them uh, to a peacemaking uh, situation, a peacemaking opportunity. Uh, and at the, at the at the same way, as Christ bore the wrath of God on our behalf, like we would bear the weight of that sin to help other people come to make peace. And, it's, and so that can look like a lot of ways. If somebody has really hurt me in, in the worst of ways, that I would bear the weight of that and say, well, I'm not going to make them pay for it. I'm going to work through the emotional toil and toll of that on my life, and even in a lot of ways the physical toll in my life, and say, hey, at the end of the day, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bear the weight of this and bring us into an opportunity to make peace, and I'm going to come forward and say, forgiveness is offered here. I forgive you as Christ has borne the weight of my sin and forgiven me. I forgive you, and I want to live in peace with you as Christ, as God in Christ has, is now living in peace with me. Well, that's why it's so important to recount what it cost Jesus, because what you're doing is you're saying, I recognize what Jesus did, and I too want to reflect the character of, of God by living the same way. Secondly, that we would sacrifice for the sake of peacemaking. There are so many things that we have to sacrifice if we want to, uh, if we want to make peace. Because if we, when we don't have peace, that means there's something in between two individuals that have kept them from living in harmony with one another. Oftentimes, those things are are, are idols. Uh, they may be desires of the heart. They may be actual physical idols in my life, whether it's a home or children or or, or what have you, whatever you want to fill into that blank. And there has to be a sacrifice made where peace it becomes the main objective, that peace uh, through the gospel becomes the main objective. And I'm going to have to sacrifice whether it's my, my feelings or my desires or actually maybe physical things uh, in order to defer to the other person, to have deference for them, to say, I I'm concerned more about you and me living in peace than I'm concerned about any of my feelings or any of my own desires. I'm more concerned about living at peace with you. And it's the same way that when we look at the gospel, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, that God was concerned 
that there would be a people that he desired to save. And that was that was paramount to God. If not, he wouldn't have sent his only son. And so when we look at the importance of sacrifice and saying if we're going to be peacemakers, we're going to have to make sacrifices. We're going to have to proactively step out. Uh, and, and that's the, the difference between uh, being proactive and making sacrifices uh, and being passive. We can't be passive people. Uh, the problem with being passive is that we become people who are not against peacemaking. Right? And, and that's, you know, maybe I don't know a lot about being a pacifist, but pacifist, right? I'm not, I don't believe in war. Okay, but what about if conflict is going to bring about peace? Are you about peacemaking? Well, you see, that's where we get into this conflict. So many people are passive, right? And you like peace, and you would live in peace, and you would enjoy peace, and you would even do a lot of work not to create conflict. But what are you going to do when there is conflict? you got to be proactive. You can't be a passive participant. You have to step in and step up to create an opportunity for peace to be made, the same thing that God has done in us. And so I, I gave you uh, Ken Sandy's four G's at the 11 o'clock service. I didn't give you that in the uh, in the nine, but just to reiterate those, if we want to make peace, we need to understand the four G's of making peace. We need to glorify God. All things that we do, and it even says it there in verse 17 of Colossians 3, that whatever we do, and in word or deed, we're doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father. Uh, we are glorifying God. And so as we make peace, as we live in kingdom happiness, as we bear with one another, we're doing it all to glorify God. And so if you need a reason to make peace, your, your reason for making peace doesn't always have to be, well, that person, I just love them so much. Or, you know, I just, you know, it doesn't have to be any kind of extrinsic reality. It can be the intrinsic reality that you exist to glorify God. And so you make peace with people because you want to exalt God. And if you love the Lord, you, you know that that's your job is to make peace. So therefore you do it. Secondly is get the log out of your own eye. That's a reference from Matthew 7, 1 through 6. It simply means this, that there's a time that we have to all judge, and we all have to bring up conflict, and we all have to go make peace. It just needs to happen in the right context. And the right context is, if you're going to go bring up something with someone, you got to make sure that as you look in the mirror, the log is out of your own eye. That means you got to do the work and sacrifice in your own life, and oftentimes that means sacrificing the idols of your own life, the own, the sin that you're that you're partaking in that's causing conflict, and you got to take personal responsibility for what you're dealing with, uh, and take that log out of your own eye because you're going to go over there and you're going to judge, and that's why I, we talked about in the sermon that judging is not inherently a bad thing. It's how are you judging, and if you're going to go and you have to, you're going to go judge them. You better make sure because that that you are in the right standing. Because that log is out of your eye, because with the same judgment that you deal, it will be dealt back to you. So there's a lot of time where we, as we're going to love one another and we're going to glorify God, that we're going to have to go and help people get specks out of their own eye. We all have blind spots. And if you're not willing to accept you have blind spots, and if you're not willing to accept help when you have blind spots, well, you're not willing to make peace. You're a troublemaker. You're a peace breaker uh, and a conflict creator. And so when I have a blind spot, you have a blind spot, we need to call that out in each other, and that is making judgments. Uh, but we got to make sure that we are willing to look deeply, intently at the mirror to get the log out of our own eye, and that mirror is the gospel, the mirror is the law of God. we got to make sure that as we are judging people, that we are also judging ourselves, that we can be proper peacemakers. Thirdly, gently engage. 
Well, we need to make sure that as we have taken that log out of our eye, as we pinpoint the speck in the other person's eye, that we are gently engaging. We're not bombastic. We're not those who are trying to go out and rage, telling people how bad they are. But we're saying, hey, I want to engage with you about making peace, uh, first with God and then with man. And then secondly, go and be reconciled. Um, three different parties involved here uh, that I can think categorically. You need to be reconciling as far as people go, right? If it's your marriage, you need to be reconciled, and you don't leave the room until reconciliation is made. And if we have to leave the room because we're too hype and we're too hot-headed, we need to leave it for a, an, an objective uh, temporary amount of time, and we need to come back and be reconciled, and we're not going to leave until we do. Uh, secondly, uh, in the church family, Christian and Christian, right? you guys also, we're going to go and be reconciled. We don't leave the room until reconciliation is made, until our hearts are no longer soured and, and hardened, but they are uh, soft and ready uh, through the Word of God and through the gospel of peace to be reconciled together. And thirdly, though, is, is that complicated relationship between a Christian and a non-Christian. I'm not talking about a Christian and non-Christian being married. I'm talking about a, a non-Christian associate with a Christian associate, and however you would associate with them, uh, that you would understand that you ought to work, as Paul says, in as much as you can, as much as it has to do with you, live in peace with, with everyone. There are times where a non-Christian is not going to respond or try to live in peace, but as much as you can, everything that you can do to make peace, you need to make peace. All right, if you have a non-Christian who wants to make peace, then you have a responsibility to broker that peace and lead them to the greatest peace, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there will be some times where you've done everything you can in the bond of peace and the desire for the peace of the gospel to reign, and a non-Christian doesn't want uh, to proceed in peace. Then you've done everything you can do. But the reason why that can be the case with the non-Christian but not the Christians is because you both have the Holy Spirit if you're Christians, in your marriage and in relationship with others in the church, and therefore reconciliation is not only the desire, but it is the only outcome of two people who have been born again. And that is not only the the expectation, but it is the biblical uh, mandate that we all live in peace with one another as Christians. The third point was that we need to be Christ's ambassadors for peacemaking. The text that I drew you to was Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty, uh, and really just in a nutshell. What we see here is we have been reconciled to God, right? That's a financial term, that, that the debt has been paid and, and we have been brought to God through Christ. And then as he's been brought to us at the beginning of this podcast, you heard me talk about the two parts of the gospel ministry, that we have been reconciled, and now he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. So God has given us peace in Christ, and then has given us this ministry to now go and do likewise, go preach the gospel to people and bring them uh, to faith in Christ Jesus, therefore making peace between uh, God and them through Christ. And also, that we would also be living out the peace in our relationships, our peacemaking in our relationships with other people. And he says it again and repeats it in another way in verse 19, that they forget, he's, God has forgiven us and not counted our trespasses against us, and then he's entrusted to us this message of reconciliation. So this message is a trust. It's been given to us as a, as a heritage, as a stewardship, uh, to go and take this out to the world. And then in verse 20, it says that there's actually a name for this, that we're ambassadors, that we are official representatives of the kingdom of God to this world to preach the peace of the kingdom of God and how people can be brought into the kingdom of God. 
and then how we then as ambassadors would also be living that in our own lives, that uh, we need to recognize that as ambassadors, the rest of verse 20 says that God makes his appeal through his ambassadors. And so if we're out here preaching a gospel of peace, we need to be people of peace, living as peacemakers in our families and in our community. Because if we're not, that's not going to be a great appeal as we tell people about the gospel, but yet we have no evidence of the gospel of peace in our own life. And so we got to be uh, representatives and ambassadors who are uh, peacemakers in our own lives and our own relationships. Because we, our job then at the rest of verse 20 says that we implore people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. We call people to peace with God. We call people to repentance and faith. And we also call people to peace with one another. And that happens because we have the Holy Spirit in us and he's empowered us, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And it's important for us, if we are going to be ambassadors for Christ, that we would be peace makers. And so my prayer for you, church, is that you would be in the business of peacemaking because we're in the business of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's get busy. As you go through your life group application questions, I pray that they're an encouragement to you. Uh, I want you to go through each of them and, and apply them to your life. Answer them and then say, once you've answered the question, if there isn't, an, if there isn't a, a tag at the end of that question that says, well, how do you apply this to your life? Do it anyway. Say, okay, well, how am I going to apply this question to my life? Or as I answer this, then say, well, how does this impact and change my life? Always come to your life group prepared. You are coming as an encourager and as an exhorter. And, and you are going to come with these questions answered so that you can apply it to your life and tell other people how you're applying it to your life and that you can give encouragement to other people how they can live out the Word of God. And so I want you to come in with your questions prepared and ready to go. A couple of resources that we have pointed out to your life group leaders that we want to point out to you as well uh, is one is Peacemaking for Families by Ken Sandy. You received this book at the Family Matters Conference if you attended that conference. And if you haven't, we want to provide that in the bookstore over the next couple of weeks so you can purchase it there. It's a really great resource. That's why I used it in my sermon and in this podcast because many of you already have access to it, and it's a great way for you to jump into that book. Uh, to uh, learn some practical ways to be peacemakers. Obviously, the Bible is your number one resource in making peace, but Ken Sandy's book is a great companion that kind of helps you work through real-life scenarios um, that can help you be a peacemaker. And also, if you didn't go to the Family Matters Conference, there is a session on YouTube from that uh, conference called Conflict Resolution by Dr. Lucas Pace. We want to encourage you to go to that video if you want to learn more and have more co- content on conflict resolution. And finally, just a couple of announcements. Child dedications for Mother's Day is full. So the May 14th child dedication date is full, packed out. But we still have Father's Day, June the 18th child dedications, which is where me and my wife are going to dedicate little Tito. And uh, we want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, sign up for the June 18th child dedications. Uh, We have Move Up Weekend for Compass Kids and Compass Students uh, and our college-age life group. And so the week of Sunday, June the 4th, that whole week, whether it's Sunday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, all of those groups will move up to their next respective ministry or group. And so we also have some other announcements we'll give along with that as some changes that will happen in students and kids. Um, But we want you to put that date on the calendar because that's when all of our kiddos and young adults will move up into their next ministry. 
As always, our summer kids camps are on their way for VBS Art and Science Camp. Make sure that you haven't yet, that you're registering for those camps. We already have great uh, sign-ups, great number of sign-ups. We want all of our kids and, and any kid in our community who uh, wants to sign up for this to be a part of this. We'd love to have them a part of these camps to learn about the Lord. And finally, we have our Student Revival Summer D Now coming up. Uh, we, we're just going to name this thing really long. Student Revival Summer D Now Blast Camp. <laughs> uh, we want you to save the date Thursday, July the 27th through July the 30th. We want all of our students at Compass to be a part of this. I don't want money uh, to be an issue here. So if there's anyone who needs to go to camp doesn't have the money, let us know. We're going to take care of it. Uh, but we want everyone to come hear the Word of God, all of our teens, as we prepare to equip them uh, for the work of ministry and as we help many of them come to an understanding of their need for Jesus Christ. That being said, church, so thankful for you. We pray that God would continue saving people. Every week I'm hearing testimonies of salvation and testimonies of how God is growing people's faith uh, and redeeming and restoring marriages and relationships, and we want to continue seeing that. So pray with me, church, as God continues to build His church here and as we continue to make disciples. Mm-hmm.